Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Week one is officially in the books. The Florida Gators put uh, a little bit of a beating on the Ole Miss Rebels this weekend. The offensive performance, Blake, was obviously terrific, uh, and we'll get to talking about that for sure. Was there anything that, that kind of stood out to you about this first game, I guess, though, Blake? You know, a couple things. I, I think we both realized that Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were going to be, you know, they were, they were going to be focal points of Florida's offense this year. I don't know that I really expected to see Trask come out and throw six touchdowns, look kind of as razor sharp as he did. Don't get me wrong, you know, he's always throwing a really nice ball. Um, he's always, you know, been kind of calm and collected under pressure. Uh, but, you know, I, I was just kind of surprised at some of the accelerated throws that he made, you know, a lot of those back shoulder throws. I mean, rewatching some of those touchdowns he had, I, I mean, yeah, there were some good coverages on some of those throws he made, but Kyle really just put the ball right to where it was just his guy that was going to be the one to catch it. So I, I think that was impressive to see that, you know, we hear all off season that, you know, Trask has dropped some weight. He's putting some more, you know, zip on the ball. He's really fitting things in windows. And I, I think that that was really something that I saw um, in that game. And I think another thing that was kind of um, something of note to me watching the game was Florida's run game. You know, you look at last year where they struggled there. And of course, you know, a big run on a blown play by Kadarius Tony really kind of helps inflate those running, you know, the, the, you know, the stats on the stat line there for the run game. But I thought Florida was, I thought there was a little bit more promise there just overall kind of looking at last year, you know, we both have, you know, the loss of spring, the loss of, you know, a lot of fall camp, you know, the, the kind of the shutdown of media coverage in a lot of these practices, we really didn't know. And I think that there was something there to, um, Obviously, they have something to work on in the run game, but I think that there was uh, it shows signs of you know that this is something that they're not going to, I guess, struggle with, or it seems that they won't struggle with as much as they did last year. So I think that those two things really jumped out, along with you know Florida's defense kind of got beaten up there. But whenever you have some of those starters out, some of those key guys out, you know, I think that uh, it was somewhat expected, but maybe not just kind of how bad they got beat up. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the defense. You know, obviously, there's a lot to break down there in terms of some of the miscues that they had and obviously the secondary kind of looked lost most of the game. I, I think some of that's a week one issue. Um, and I always, you know, you know me, I always caution people not to make too much of week one on either side of the ball, really, because teams are going to get better, particularly in this year, you know, where you didn't have all of spring practice where you, you know, you had limited opportunities throughout the off season, even in fall camp, you know, a shortened fall camp window, there's going to there's going to be some adjustment period for for all of these teams and i think you're definitely you definitely saw that florida's defense wasn't necessarily at game speed in terms of tackling and live reps and all that on the flip side i i'm still kind of waiting to see on florida's run game sure um, I, I and like you think, said one game man you can't you can't put a lot of uh, you know a lot of eggs in that basket for sure i i think there were definitely some areas where they showed some real promise i thought brett heggy was really impressive uh, he to me was was one of the guys that i thought really was a clear upgrade year over year. I thought he got really, really good push up front. 
probably the most of anybody on that line. I thought Stone Forsyth was really good. I thought they, they had a lot of success going back and rewatching the game. They were really, really effective running to that left side when they were kind of using him to seal the outside and then, you know, having either a pulling guard or Richard Guraj kind of set the inside seal. I thought Kyle Pitts was really good as a blocker. That was maybe to me as impressive as his performance, you know, catching the football where obviously he had a historic day hauling in four touchdown catches. But um, I, I do think, like you said, I, th- I thought there were some signs there. I thought Malik Davis looked really good running the football. You know, like you said, that was something we had heard throughout fall camp. But until you get to see it in live games against other opponents, you don't really know. And I thought, you know, given the the level of talent that Ole Miss returned at linebacker, uh, Momo Sonogo, Jaquez Jones, uh, Lakia Henry, they had a lot of really, really productive SEC linebackers. And so for, you know, Florida's run game to be able to at times get to the second level with offensive linemen to hit those guys um, and, and also be able to isolate Davis out on the outside at times where he could really just kind of make a play on those guys. I thought was pretty good to see. Um, but yeah, Kyle Trask, I mean, let's talk about him a little bit. You mentioned, you know, the back shoulder throws. I, I thought he looked as comfortable as maybe I've ever seen him at Florida. And I think when you talk about, you know, just the added comfort level that he has in the offense, I thought that was clearly on display, you know, particularly for a season opener where like, like we talked about, not having all that off season, I thought that said a lot about just kind of where he's at mentally. And I think I thought the offense was far less sloppy than maybe I expected. You know, we, we talked about it on the podcast going into that Ole Miss game that, you know, we probably expected maybe a little bit of a rough affair. And, and I think we were right. We were just wrong about maybe where that sloppiness would show up. I kind of thought it would be a little bit more on offense, you know, some false starts, you know, some communication issues on the O-line that maybe slowed down that run game. Uh, you know, maybe contrast not being a sharp just because he hasn't been against a live defense other than his own. But really, for the most part, the offense was absolutely aces. And it was it was really the defensive side of the ball where the breakdowns happened. Yeah, and you know, and I agree. And I, I know we'll get into it later. You know, the secondary, I think there was a lot of uh, things to improve on. Um, just, you know, kind of looking at just their body of work. But I will say this too, overall on the defense, I don't know that I'm and I don't think anyone is I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Again, I know it's week one. But Ole Miss really did put a lot of motions in. They put a lot of trick plays. They moved things around. I mean, a lot of times they were running two quarterbacks out there at the same time. And that's hard to expect a defense to move, you know, your linebackers and your defensive line. I think that that's a lot to ask those guys to move and keep up. You know, there's just a lot of things, you know, your eyes can really deceive you in those kind of, you know, instances. And then you've got to even throw in the fact, too, that, you know, it's, it's probably hard to, you know, piece together all these pieces of film heading into this game with just the fact that you didn't have spring ball to see Ole Miss how they do things. You have to watch, you know, FAU when Lane was there. You have to watch, you know, tapes of what Durkin has done on defense. So I think that that brings a challenge in there. And whenever you – and I think that Lane de- definitely tried to capitalize on that with trying to throw some misdirections in there, trying to throw different things to kind of throw the defense off. And, you know, I, I think you miss a guy like Kyrie Campbell, you know, Brad Stewart, you know, those kind of guys, you know, are kind of your, you know, big time tacklers or your, you know, at least for Kyrie Campbell, he's kind of a, I guess, so to say somewhat of that leader on that, you know, defensive line for Florida had to put a lot of guys, you know, like a Javon Dexter, who was, you know, making his first college game, um, you know, TJ Slate, you know, I thought was really good in the game, but you know, he, he's one that, you know, you really wanted to see, is he going to continue to build off of last year? You know, is he going to put together this complete game? So I think it was, it was a challenge for Florida's defensive front, you know, that front seven to kind of deal with what they did um, with just how they wanted to kind of throw those guys off. But I, I think the secondary to me, again, I don't think it's anything to hit the panic button on, but there is definitely um, it was definitely some sloppiness there. And I think the lack of Sean Davis, you know, him getting thrown out early in the game for targeting, um, I think that was a big hit because he's kind of, uh, 
I don't know, maybe one of your most complete safeties. I think Donovan Steiner got kind of got caught, you know, in some, in, you know, in some instances where, you know, he was, uh, you know, he, he would miss a play here and there. Um, you know, even at one point they were throwing in Rashad Torrance, a true freshman in there. So I think that the secondary is something that we're, they're going to need to continue to improve on. There were some bright spots in there, no doubt. But I think that overall the defense, I, I think there's still some things they can work on, you know, shoring up tackling. That's something that's just going to come as you continue the season. You know, I mean, Florida really hasn't gone after it like that since, you know, the Orange Bowl back earlier this year. So I don't know that it's time to hit the panic button there. And I don't think anybody is, but there was definitely some concerns there for me. Well, I think defensively, you know, you look at last year's season opener, equally sloppy against Miami. I mean, they had the same kind of tackling issues. So, you know, like I said, that's not that's not to fully excuse the performance, but you can understand some of that in a week one. I thought what we really saw on defense was, and you mentioned it earlier, just key guys out. And I think particularly where those guys were out, they're at two of the spots that we've talked about all offseason. Really, they need to bring along young guys quickly because you have at defensive tackle and at safety – you have a group of seniors and then you have basically freshmen. And you saw that when Sean Davis goes out and Brad Stewart's not available, all of a sudden you're going to a true freshman in Rashad Torrance. And, you know, we talked about him throughout fall camp as being a guy that has really impressed the staff, but he's still a true freshman. And, you know, these veterans maybe are a little bit able to pick up a little quicker, I think, on some of the hard looks that Ole Miss is maybe thrown at you adjust on the fly a little bit better. You know, Sean Davis is a guy that, that is used to seeing some of that. He's played for three years now. He, he can more quickly adjust when they say, hey, this is what they're doing. Whereas Rashad Torrance is just trying to make sure he's around the ball. You know what I mean? So you get a little bit of that. I think same thing at defensive tackle. You know, when a Kyrie Campbell is out, we talked about it going into the year. You basically only had three guys at defensive tackle with any sort of playing experience. You had um, Zach Carter, Marlon Dunlap, and Terrell Slayton. So after that, you're talking about Javon Dexter or – uh, you know, some of these other true freshmen. And we didn't see any of the other true freshmen. So I think Florida's depth uh, or, or lack of lack of class balancing and recruiting showed up a little bit on Saturday. And that's not a huge concern if you get those guys like Campbell back. I think the bigger question is we don't really know on some of these guys. You know, Brad Stewart, from what we're hearing, could be out multiple games. Kyrie Campbell, nobody's sure if and when he's going to be back. So – you know, yeah, you'll get Sean Davis back. You, you hopefully get Jeremiah Moon back, who reportedly was dealing with, uh, you know, a COVID test. Um, but, you know, Florida's defense, for right or wrong, they, they're going to have to bring these young guys along quickly, Blake, because they're, they're just there's no other alternative at some of these spots. You know, defensive tackle and safety are the two. Where you look at the scholarship chart, it's seniors and then it's freshmen. I mean, there's no, there's no two ways around it. So I, I thought that showed up more than anything and, and probably hurt the defense. And I think – if you're looking at Florida this year and saying, hey, can, can Florida make a legitimate run, anybody that watched Saturday's game is going to point to the defense as, as being, you know, the unit that makes or breaks that ability to have a championship-type season. And I think it's going to come down to guys like Jervon Dexter developing and being able to give you 30, 40 snaps a game. It's going to come down to whether or not Rashad Torrance can take that step forward and, and kind of start to get into that mode where he's able to play if needed, if there's a targeting or something like that. So – me that that was probably the biggest big picture takeaway and I say that knowing that I don't want to put too much on one game I don't want to assume that Ole Miss is just going to be great offensively and that's why Florida struggled either I I think that you can equally um, you know put yourself in the wrong camp there thinking that you know oh that's one of the toughest offenses we're going to see we don't know that I mean it it probably will be you know John John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral are obviously two very good quarterbacks I thought Corral looked very good Saturday um, you know, Elijah Moore is one of the best slot receivers they'll see all year. But at the same time, you know, it was game one for Ole Miss. And, and they, they, you know, 
who knows? That, that could have been just a good performance from them. It could have been a bad performance from the Florida defense. It could be indicative of more to come for Florida. We, we don't know that. So it's hard to say. I, I, you know, I caution on both sides of that argument. You know, they're, they're, Florida may have legitimate issues defensively. It's going to take time to figure that out. And I think, uh, for me at least, the part that you can definitely underscore and kind of say is that they've got to quickly improve the depth at defensive tackle and safety by getting younger guys more up to speed. Thomas, I haven't gotten to do this yet, and I know that you um, had a, a VIP uh, piece on Swamp 24-7, which I would urge anyone to read because it's really got a lot of good stuff. I think it's somewhere like 2,000 words, so you were definitely busy with that one. Um, really kind of breaking down and really taking a close look at this game between Florida and Ole Miss. Like I said, Thomas, I haven't really got a chance to go back and watch some of these things in, in, in as much detail as probably you have. So just off the top of your head, you know, kind of looking back, were there some things that really jumped out to you when you watched that game a second time? Yeah, I mean, I think we can talk about, you know, different areas. Um, I know we kind of already hit on the run game a little bit, but I I thought from an offensive line standpoint, maybe the thing that stood out to me the most was the pass protection. I thought that unit was really, really good in pass protection. That's obviously something that they were good at a year ago, so you would would hope that would continue. But um, from a communication standpoint, in terms of the offensive line and the running backs, I I thought Florida was extremely, extremely good for week one in terms of picking up you know, free rushers and that kind of thing. I thought the, the, and, and I tweeted this comment uh, on Twitter last night. I, I thought Florida's running backs were as good in pass protection in a season opener as I've ever seen since I've been covering Florida. I mean, they were absolutely terrific. If you go back and watch the 71 yard touchdown to Kyle Pitts early in the second half, I think it was the second play, um, you know, for Florida coming out of the half, Damian Pierce absolutely stonewalled a, you know, blitzing defender off the edge. Absolutely picked him up off his feet and kind of knocked him off balance. And those are the kind of things that we saw routinely from Florida's running backs throughout the game. And that level of understanding of the scheme, I, I think you're seeing that Florida's getting into year three. You have, you know, a running back that's in his third year in the system. You have offensive linemen that have gone through a year of starting together. There weren't miscommunications anymore where you have the back scanning to the wrong side of the formation to pick up a guy. And then all of a sudden you have a free rusher. You just really didn't see that on Saturday. So that was hugely encouraging. And then I thought, you know, maybe not quite as impressive by the O-line in the run game. Uh, individually, you know, like I said, I thought Stone Forsyth was really good. I thought Brett Heggie was really good. Um, aside from one low snap uh, that, that Florida almost had an issue with, Brett Heggie was really, really good snapping the football. And I thought he got more movement up front than Nick Buchanan did a year ago. You know, he really had a couple plays where he went and bulldozed the guy. Um, I, I thought Richard Guraz was pretty good. You know, he, he was a guy that – um, I didn't necessarily notice him on, on some of the bulldozing blocks like Kagi or, or sealing the edge like it, like Stone Forsyth, but I thought you didn't see him on really any missed assignments, whereas you know, I had guys like Stuart Reese and John DeLance missing a couple of assignments, particularly in pass protection. Um, you know, I thought John DeLance still struggled a little bit with the speed rushers off the edge, you know, something that was kind of an issue for him last year. I think we had talked about it on the podcast previously, but, you know, we were kind of wondering if DeLance would maybe take a step forward this year, given that he was injured for a good bit of last year. And I don't know that I saw it in terms of the the physical limitations. I, I just think he's going to be a guy that struggles a little bit with speed off the edge. Uh, I thought that was evident again on Saturday. But but really, you know, Stuart Reese was probably the guy that we were most interested in on seeing on the offensive line. And I, I, for me, when I like, I, and I don't grade these things like coaches or anything, I don't always know what I'm looking at. Um, but for the most part, I thought he was kind of up and down. I thought there were some instances where he did really well. I thought when he was pulling in pass protection, 
uh, to guard a backside ed- edge defender that he was really good. But I thought he looked a little bit slow pulling and trying to get through the hole when they were, you know, in that power run game. You know, when he had to pull between basically, uh, you know, stone four side and kind of get through that hole to clear out a second level defender. I thought he just seemed a little big, a little bit sluggish. And, and I thought more often than not, kind of got stuck doing that to where it became a, a, more of a pile of bodies than necessarily he gets through and clears a real lane for somebody. So those are things that maybe you can clean up, you know, work on footwork technique angles in terms of how he's moving down the line. Uh, I thought Richard Gouraud was probably a little bit better in that respect in terms of pulling across the formation and hitting somebody. But one thing I didn't love from the offensive line outside of maybe Brett Heggie and, and probably Forsythe, I, I thought there were too many times where guys pulled in the run game and got to a guy and then just kind of, stood there. I mean, really just kind of, they just stood there, made contact with the guy, but didn't really attack him. I want to see Florida's offensive linemen when they pull like that, be trying to blow somebody off their feet. Like you saw Damian Pierce do on that blitz pickup. Like that's what needs to happen. They need to absolutely clear out space rather than just getting to their guy and hitting him. So basically what happened was I just thought the run lanes on the interior were, were small, you know, and you saw Malik Davis was able to sometimes wiggle through Emory Jones had a really nice run kind of wiggling through a well-blocked play but they need to make those lanes a little bit bigger. You're still not seeing them blow open holes in the run game. Again, first, first game of the season. So I don't want to put too much on that. Um, but I thought, I thought there were encouraging signs in the run game, but there's still a lot of work to do in that regard. You know, overall, I think that that's what you want to see in the run game. I think you just want to see some encouraging moments because again, like you said, I mean, this is game one. There's still nine games left in the season. There's still a lot of football to be played. There's still guys that are going to, I guess, kind of come along as the season goes. But I think at this point, if you, when you look at what Florida's offensive line was doing in you know, the run game last year, the running backs that really weren't breaking loose for some of those big runs, I think at this point you just want something that's encouraging. You know, Sure, they would have loved to come out and seen those guys run all over the place, offensive line looking great. But I think short in season, there's going to be some sloppy areas. And I think the offensive line is one where – it's just going to be something that's just going to have to gel, you know, after a while. I mean, that's just the name of the game. I, I, I think when I go back to the 2018 season and Florida had a lot of those, you know, kind of veteran guys, you know, the Martez Ibis, the Tyler Jordans, you know, plenty of guys that had played a lot of snaps. It even took, I think, maybe three, four weeks for those guys to really kind of turn that corner um, and really kind of start to gel and, you know, make a move there. So I, I think for Florida, I think right now, sure you know in a perfect world you wouldn't want one of those guys to come out and dominate and blow those lanes open because you know whenever you're pulling I mean that's what those offensive linemen live for they love to come out and knock the crap out of some guy on a pull play and you know just kind of knock him completely out of the play so I think that those are things that can come in time um it's hard to say for sure if they will or won't but I, I think right now where you're at in the season I think with how early it is, I think you just want to see some encouraging moments. You want to know that Florida can continue to build off of those things. And you typically see that early in, early in the season, you know, guys are more worried about making sure they hit their assignment rather than, you know, really violently. Dominating it. Yeah. No, they, they, they don't want to miss a block, you know? And so they're making sure that they're in the right place doing the right thing. And I think as you get more comfortable, as you get more game reps in the season, they tend to get more confident in, in kind of executing and finishing those blocks. But um you know, I thought it was—I thought it was overall a very encouraging performance. And Blake, the reality is, Florida doesn't necessarily need a run game that's going to put up 300 yards a game. I mean, look, when you have Kyle Trask playing the way he is, and you have a weapon like Kyle Pitts, and then some of these other receivers, I thought—you know—I thought Florida showed that they—they're not going to miss those four seniors quite as much as maybe a lot of people nationally thought. You know, a lot of Florida fans came into the year thinking they were going to be pretty good at receiver. I mean, they've seen Trayvon Grimes. They've seen Jacob Copeland, what he could potentially do. I thought Copeland had a good game. I thought Grimes had a good game other than, you know, a couple drops and maybe some tough catches. But you saw guys like Trent Whittemore get involved. We talked about him this offseason. You kind of finally saw it. Had one really, really good play where he stretched out and 
got a key first down on third down. I thought that was a big, big deal. You know, Xavier Henderson, I thought maybe not targeted quite as much, but I thought he ran good routes. And really what I was impressed with for a freshman, he blocked well on the perimeter. So and that's how you get in games when you're a freshman. I, I noticed that too. You get he more was very dominating way. there. That was, that was a really encouraging moment for him because you want to see those guys like that, those freshman guys. We all know he can catch. We all know he's big. We all know he's athletic and fast. Blocking is something that I think is something that you see come through time, you know, being at that college level. And I thought that was encouraging to see what he did in, in you know, in first game. Yeah. So I, I think you saw so many positives out of the Florida offense. Again, I don't think they need to be a dominant ground team. They just got to be able to do it well enough to establish some balance. That way, if, you know, you do face a team that's really good in the secondary, cough Georgia, you know, you're able to have some sort of balance and that you're not just, you know, spinning your wheels because right. that has been an issue at times, particularly in that Georgia matchup, you know, where they just can't quite get it clicking in the passing game. And frankly, they didn't have a run game last year. So they just need to continue to work on that, continue to develop. You know, biggest improvement is usually from week one to week two when they finally got things on tape against another opponent. At that point, you know, you heard Dan Mullen say it all offseason. We don't really know yet until we go against another opponent. Well, now they've gone against another opponent. So they can start to figure out, oh, are we really, you know, that good in this area? Are we really struggling in this area? Where do we need to focus that maybe we weren't in camp based on what we were seeing? And I think you're going to see that. So. Blake, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about the defensive side of the ball. I know there's a lot of question marks there. Um, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but we can definitely talk about it right on the other side of this break, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, we've spent a good deal of time now talking about the offense. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. I think that's going to be the side where most Florida fans are holding their breath, I think, after seeing what happened Saturday. We talked about it a little bit. Obviously, Ole Miss was a team that Florida didn't have film on. They had new coordinators, new coaches on both sides of the ball. Weren't exactly sure what Florida was going to see. The Gators pretty much said during the week that they were going to be base defense. They weren't running a lot of complicated stuff. But having said that, pretty not good performance from the defense, I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. I, I, I thought – and there was even some comments on, you know, the Swamp 24-7 message board. You know, where were the blitzes? Where were all these things that you're kind of accustomed to seeing in a Todd Grantham defense? And I, I th- kind of agree with you just the fact that you – you don't want to get caught with your pants down a lot of those plays, you know, where they were running those trickeration plays where Lane Kiffin was trying to find a wrinkle in there. So I think staying in the base, sure, it probably opened some things up and it probably, I don't know, it maybe allowed, you know, Ole Miss to kind of get some rhythm going here and there in the game. But I think for the most part, um, looking just at what they did, you know, sure there was some, you know, I don't want to say vanilla because it wasn't super vanilla, but there just wasn't what you are accustomed to seeing and what Todd Grantham runs. 
Yeah, and I think some of that's first game. I think some of that's getting used to personnel. Uh, again, some of it is just limited bodies at certain spots. I mean, you really sure. were only running three defensive tackles. We saw a lot of Florida run in with uh, kind of an interesting look where they had just two down linemen. You know, it was just Zach Carter and Slayton with their hand in the dirt, and then they had Bogle kind of moving around the formation, standing up. Uh, at times, I think Diabate did the same thing. So some interesting looks from Florida. I think the number one thing that kind of stood out to me, I think Florida was really, really worried about the quarterback run. And typically when you're worried about quarterbacks that can run, you play a lot more zone so that guys can kind of keep their eyes in the backfield, you know, able to adjust more quickly when the quarterback takes off. And frankly, like in the three years now that, you know, Dan Mullen has been here, Florida hasn't been as good a zone team. I mean, they just haven't. I think some of that's physical limitations. You know, you talk about it with guys like Donovan Steiner, maybe not quite as good at breaking down in the open field. Um, I thought there was a lot of that where Florida was really just trying to keep things in front of them. And unfortunately, when they did that, Ole Miss, like you said, did a lot of misdirection, did a lot of kind of fakes. You know, you had the receiver throw, throwback pass that worked. Um, there was another one, you know, the, the long safety that got behind uh, or the long touchdown that got behind Kyer Elam and, and Donovan Steiner. They kind of faked some underneath stuff and Steiner got his eyes caught in the backfield. There was a lot of that. And I think particularly when, you know, Sean Davis goes out and you've got a, a young guy in there like Rashad Torrance, uh, not only does that stress Rashad Torrance, you know, in a situation where he's unfamiliar with first game plan in the college level, but it also puts a little bit more on a guy like Steiner because now he's got to worry about where the freshman's at and trying to get him in the right spots. Um, so I, I think there was just a lot going on defensively. I think, I think the, the fact that Ole Miss had running quarterbacks is probably the biggest factor in some of these busts. Uh, Florida just wasn't as good in zone and, and there were, you know, I thought linebacker play, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this linebacker play outside of Ventrell Miller. I was very disappointed with. I think I was too. And I think kind of overlooking and, you know, I don't want to pick on anyone specifically, but I thought that the one guy, um, sure. There were, there were a lot of guys that, you know, Donovan Steiner, you know, I, I think at times he had a, a rough go in the day, um, but I thought Amari Bernie had a really rough day out there too. And I, I mean, I know he played a lot of snaps for Florida, um, but it was interesting to see how they used him at that linebacker position where, you know, kind of all reports through camp was that he was going to be more of a, you know, playing at star kind of playing more, I guess more so as, as, you know, maybe a safety type compared to being kind of a flat linebacker type. So I thought that he had a little bit of a rough go in that game for sure. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing that stood out to me when rewatching, and I, I tried to watch him closely because my, anytime I get a strong initial reaction watching a game, I always try to like focus on that part when I go back and rewatch just to make sure I wasn't wrong or off. And my initial impression was that both of the linebackers were kind of bad. Like I know that Ventrell Miller piled up a lot of tackles, but when I watched the game live, I thought both of those guys just, it just seemed like there was a void kind of in that middle of the field, particularly, you know, sometimes in the run game. And when I went back and rewatched, I actually thought Ventrell Miller played a lot better than I did the first time around. I thought he was really, really good. He was the, the one linebacker really sticking his nose in some of those run fits and, and physically laying guys out. Um, didn't always fight through blocks the best, but I think that's something that, you know, the, the entire position unit struggled with, and, and they're going to have to get better at that. But Bernie, to me, was, was disappointing in the sense that he kind of flowed to the area of the play, but he never looked particularly interested in shedding blocks and disengaging to get to the ball carrier. There were several times where a run kind of comes his way and he kind of lowers his shoulder, throws his shoulder into, you know, the blocker, but never really like uses his hands to shed the block and get to the ball carrier. And then there were a couple of plays where he just got flat out bulldozed out of the play. And I think for, for a guy that if he's going to be a starting linebacker for you, he's not only got to get more physical, but he's got to get more willing to disengage and shed blocks. Yeah. I thought from what I saw from Ventrell Miller, 
you know, all off season, he's, he's had, he's had this, I guess, shadow casted over him to the point of, is he going to be David Reese? Is he going to be this guy that was the heart and soul of the defense? He's always buzzing around making tackles and week one, you know, sure. I, I thought he, for the most part, did a pretty good job of that. I think that there's obviously some rooms to improve. I think, you know, getting more physical and fighting off the block, like you said, I think that's something that can come with time. I think that from all things considered, I think he had a really good first game. Um, I thought that that big hit he had where he kind of stuffed that guy and, you know, really drove through him. I think that that was the most encouraging thing that I saw from Ventrell Miller was that he didn't anticipate the tackle. He didn't wait for the guy to come to him. A lot of time he was trying to make that point of attack. He was trying to blow guys back. That's what you want to see for the linebacker. And I just didn't see that from Amari Bernie. And I thought that there were some instances too in coverage where he got a little lost there and some guys got behind him. And, you know, that could be, that could be some safety play. I mean, there, there could be a lot of gray areas in there too, but I just think overall, I think Bernie had really struggled. And I think, you know, if you, don't have a guy. I believe Derek Wingo was he was he in? I don't Oxford? think he traveled. I don't think he traveled for that game. So I mean, that's a freshman that Florida has really thought they were going to get some snaps out of, um, and I don't know that they really. And I know it's a question you have. You have been questioning, you know, who's going to be those guys at linebacker? They're kind of thin there. Um, you know, sure they have some guys they can cross train, but I think when you look at what Ventrell Miller did, I, I think there's some encouraging points there. But for burning it, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really wondering to see how he's going to respond from this going forward because from what it looks like you know how many snaps he played for Florida they're definitely going to give him a shot to go out there and you know make it make his case you know I, I think that he's one that's going to definitely have to stand up um, because I don't know how Florida's defensive line is going to continue to help those linebackers you know kind of eat up some of those blocks and kind of take some of those you know offensive linemen to allow them to disengage and allow them not to get you know kind of bulldozed through there so I think that that's an area Bernie's gonna to have to improve for sure because I think that sure, you know, if you get a guy like Kyrie Campbell back, you start getting some of these defensive linemen back. Sure, you can you can see some, you know, that's going to maybe change if that happens. But I think for right now, with how thin Florida is at that defensive line, those linebackers are really going to be put into a point where they have to, they just have to really know what's going on. They have to be more physical. They have to continue to, I I guess maybe go a little bit more above and beyond, just because the fact that the defensive line is is probably going to take a little time to kind of, I guess, get with the flow and you know get with how the things are going to go this season. I mean, the bottom line is in Todd Grantham's system, the entire system is designed for the tackles to eat space and take on double teams. And then for the edge guys and the linebackers to be really flying around and making plays. And so when you look at it, I'm looking at those linebackers. Are they impact players? Are they impacting the game on a routine basis? Ventrell Miller did. I mean, 15 tackles. I thought, like you said, the key third down stop there uh, had a couple other nice plays stringing things out sideline to sideline. I thought he made a big impact in the game. He was, he was your probably most impactful player on defense. On the other hand, Amari Bernie, I can point to exactly one play that I recall thinking, okay, that was a really nice job by Amari Bernie. And it was a play that he kind of had help on with Andrew Chatfield, stringing it out to the sideline. You got to be more impactful than that bottom line, Uh, whatever it is, if it's being more physical, shedding blocks, you've got to be able to be more impactful there or Florida's wasting a body there. You know, James Houston didn't play. That's going to be an interesting thing. We might have to ask Dan Mullen about, he wasn't on the, uh, the official list of guys that were out for the game, but didn't see a single snap. And he's a guy that, you know, another guy that's a fourth-year player that you really expected to have some impact. So Florida's got to get him available as well. Blake, uh, you mentioned the defensive line, though. Let's talk about them. Well, first off, I guess, what was your initial impression of Brenton Cox? Because he's a guy that we've been talking about all offseason and waiting to see. Yeah, that was one that I definitely wanted to bring up. I, I thought that Brenton Cox was – 
about as good as what was advertised through, you know, fall camp. You know, a, a lot of people were saying how, you know, unblockable he was, how he was kind of a guy that has the size to play that strong side defensive end. You can stand him up at buck. So I thought that, you know, his stat line, uh, let's see, eight total tackles, one sack, 2.5 tackles for a loss. Um, I think that's exactly what you want out of a guy like that. I think that, you know, getting him in the backfield, kind of creating some things because you're going to lose a guy like Jonathan Grenard, you know, who was a big part of that defense, who was always – he was always a guy that whenever the offensive line or the quarterback on the other team lines up, you have to know where Jonathan Grenard is. And I think that that Brenton Cox maybe didn't have this big dominating performance because I totally agree with you in the fact that I thought Ventrell Miller was the guy that if I had to pick an MVP of the defense or a guy that really impressed me the most, I think it would be him. But I, I think that Brenton Cox did a lot of things to show that he's going to be a guy that's going to be a disruptor in the backfield. He's going to be one that's going to be a guy that you have to make sure you know where he's at at all times whenever you're the opposing team. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a good performance. You know, also had the tip pass that led to a Javon Dexter interception. If there was one critique I'd have on him, I, I think there were a few plays where I thought he disappeared a little bit, but I, I thought he was a guy that you're going to be able to count on. You know, the number of snaps he played, I think. Um, that's, that's maybe the biggest concern for me about the D-line. Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the depth. You know, they had a lot of guys playing a lot of snaps, and I don't know that that's going to be sustainable over the course of a, a 10-game SEC season. Dexter obviously got involved early, had the early interception, but really I think he only played about 12 snaps. So, you know, Florida's going to need to get more out of him. They're going to need to get more out of guys like Jalen Lee or Jalen Humphreys. Uh, that rotation's going to have to get a little deeper to me. But I thought I thought Zach Carter played really well. I thought Terrell Slayton was probably the most impressive to me on the defensive line in terms of being able to keep his eyes in the backfield and react. I thought he played the quarterbacks better than anybody. Uh, resulted in a late sack for him on Matt Corral when he was able to shed a block and uh, kind of keep his eyes in the backfield to make sure he corralled corral. Um, but uh, I, I thought Chris Bogle had kind of an up and down performance. Um, I, you can clearly see the potential there on the pass rush and the way that they used him. You can tell that they want him to be one of those hybrid guys that kind of moves around the formation and it's hard to tell where he's coming from. I thought pass rush lane integrity was a little bit suspect from him. And again, with a young player like that in a first game, you kind of expect that, you know, first game, those defensive ends, those are guys that are, hungry for sacks. They're trying to make plays. So they get a little bit, maybe carried away, getting a little too far upfield. That's something Florida will work on in terms of kind of maintaining and pinching uh, rather than giving those scramble lanes that Corral was able to find here and there. Um, but I thought overall, you know, you see some talent in there. One thing I, I do think is going to be interesting to watch over the course of the year is whether or not Florida is trying to be a little bit too hybrid and versatile. Um, I mentioned that they went to that two down look a lot. I, I don't know how sustainable that's going to be against teams that can run the ball a little bit better. Um, you know, teams that are maybe a little bit more physical up front. And, and I do, I do worry somewhat about having a lot of those tweener types like Bogle, like Diabate, uh, even going to the nickel linebacker hybrid, like a Bernie. Um, I, it, that's been such a big emphasis for Florida this off season. You just hope they don't get too locked into wanting to confuse defenses such that guys don't really have a clear identified role. Because I thought Amari Bernie at times looked like he wasn't sure whether he was supposed to be a nickel or a linebacker. And I don't know if that led to hesitance. That could be me just completely spitballing. Uh, same thing with Bogle. I thought he moved around the formation so much that it didn't always seem like he had like this clear focus on, okay, rush the passer, but keep the pass rush lane intact. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the year. I think Florida has – Clearly, they have a lot of these hybrid guys. You just wonder, do they have enough guys that are, you know, those, those big end types, you know, like a, like a, a Jabari Zaniga, you know, a Zach Carter that can play outside, you know. Well, okay, if he's 
he's capable of playing outside and being that guy where you play him on one end and Renton Cox on the other. And they did it a couple times. But are you going to be able to do that if the, the depth of defensive tackle isn't there, if, if Kyrie Campbell doesn't return soon? I don't know. So I, I still have some question marks about the front seven for sure. Um, secondary, obviously, you know, there's a lot to get cleaned up there. I think it's mainly communication and eye discipline. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not panicking on this Florida defense, but I, I, I would say I'm not sure. And I, and I thought this a little bit last year as well. I'm not sure the upside is quite as elite as we've seen some of these Florida defenses, like maybe a 2015, 2016, you know, when you had elite talent across the defense and, and you knew that, you know, they knew what scheme they were going to kind of fully go out and execute. Thomas, I have a question for you because he was a guy that kind of got picked on somewhat last year in trade Dean new position, more of a true safety. You know, the first year, obviously as a freshman, he played more cornerback last year. He played the nickel spot, which uh, it really didn't go super well for him just because Florida was kind of left in a pinch of moving guys around. Trey Dean's playing more of a true safety this year. Um, maybe didn't have, uh, you know, the big stat line, you know, compared to, you know, some of the other guys, but from what I saw, and obviously you went back and watched the game a little bit more closely, it did look like he was kind of taking a step forward. Maybe this was a little bit more of a comfortable position for him. Yeah. You know, I was actually a little surprised he didn't get a few more snaps. They really, really kind of went to Rashad Torrance there. And, and, and I think that says a lot about Torrance's upside and, and the physical ability he brings to the position. I think they see a lot more potential, you know, ceiling wise with Torrance maybe than they, than they do out of Dean. But I thought, I thought Trey Dean was really good. I thought he really made a, a concerted effort to come downhill with a head of steam and, and lay some guys out. And like I said, they, on a on a day when there were not a lot of Florida guys that were really sticking their their helmet in there and, and putting licks on guys, I thought Trey Dean did a good job of that. I, I don't know that there's enough snaps there to really evaluate and say he's going to be a really good answer at safety sure. because we didn't really see him in coverage at all. You know, best I can tell, uh, almost all of his impact plays were coming downhill and, and putting a hat on a guy. So I, I think it's definitely a more promising spot for him than Nickel was last year. I think even probably better than corner. I don't know that he has the the hip swivel to kind of turn and run with guys all the way. I think he's going to be better in that kind of more uh, free roaming safety type where he can kind of, you know, keep his eyes downfield and then crash on things. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought he was a positive impact there. I thought Kyrie Elam was another guy that I thought was, was willing to mix it up a little bit physically, you know, obviously missed a little bit on the, uh, the receiver pass that they threw, but uh, I thought he was pretty good. I wasn't quite as impressed with Jadon Hill. I thought, he needed to be a little bit more physical. I, I, I thought there were too many times where I saw him blocked five to 10 yards off the ball. Um, but, but overall, I think the secondary really, it's going to be more about communication issues and, and getting that eye discipline cleaned up than any individual guys, maybe, you know, taking a step forward and, and, and being better. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think you brought up a really good question with Florida. You know, are they going to be this kind of speedy versatile defense? Or are they going to be that physical defense, which is, I think, kind of the key whenever you're playing these SEC schedules. I mean, it, it, it's probably dependent on who you're playing each week and what they, their strengths are. But I think for the most part, Florida's going to have to get more physical on defense, no doubt. And that's something that could easily come with time. You know, again, you know, it's hard to kind of put a lot of these things, a lot of weight into some of these things, you know, with it being the first game and how, you know, shortened everything was and how you had to be kind of careful with what you do in fall camp and this, that, and the other. There are a lot of, a lot of factors that, you know, you could kind of lean on to say, well, this is why things were that way. But I, I think there's enough to where, I'm really interested to see how this defense responds this coming week with South Carolina coming to Gainesville. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a much different test, I think. You know, Will Muschamp can always draw up a defense. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have quite that ability on offense, but uh, you know, I thought South Carolina showed some things against Tennessee. And um, I think, the, again, the biggest thing is going to be for Florida going back and cleaning up these issues from week one. Uh, I think that's going to be the focus much more so than, than kind of 
worrying a whole lot about what South Carolina is going to do. Florida's got its own issues to sort out. They're going to be able to coach them off the film. And we'll talk to Dan Mullen in a little bit this afternoon, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, now that he's had a chance to kind of evaluate the film where he's at. He wasn't very concerned Saturday. I mean, he really just wasn't. Um, you know, was asked about the defense, and I think, you know, everybody's looking at that performance, giving up, you know, something like 600 yards and and kind of panicking. He, he wasn't. You know, he was very, very sanguine about, uh, you know, just – expecting some of those issues in terms of tackling after only tackling twice in the off season. So we'll see what they can get cleaned up. We'll see what they talk about this week. Uh, we encourage everybody, obviously I have a, an in-depth film breakdown for our VIP subscribers on swamp 24 seven. So be sure to check that out. And then we'll have complete recaps from everything that Dan Mullen and, and players say today and throughout the week leading into that South Carolina game. Blake, uh, we'll be back. I think we're going to get on a, a pretty routine schedule here now that we kind of know the layout with uh, covering games virtually, but we're going to try to stick to a, either Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, kind of breakdown of the previous week's game, and then a Thursday preview of the upcoming week's game. So we'll be back on Thursday, guys. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to check out Swamp247.com. Visit all our latest Florida Gators coverage. Thanks, guys. See you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.